I'm real hyped for this one, man, because, like, man, you're one of my favorite players in the league, man. I love how you represent yourself on and off the court. I love how hard you play. I love how you represent this league. So, man, it's a pleasure, and uh, thank you for giving us this time, you know, to mess with the Spider-Man, you know? <laughs> so, I appreciate it, man. We talked about this, too. What was it, last year, two years ago in Chicago? Yeah, and I was tight. I'm glad we was able to do this, man, for sure. I know. We definitely going to get it in. The first question I ask everybody is, uh, when you first got to the league, who's the first person to bust your ass? <laughs> yeah. Man, um, I got to say, man, probably Drew Holiday. Uh Drew Holiday, underrated. He's the most, I think he's the most underrated player in the league. It's like, I don't understand it. You know what I mean? That's I me. Mean, everybody, if everybody in the league say he's the most underrated, figure it should bring some attention to him. You know what I'm saying? He's still, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's still underrated, man. But I have 41 points against the Pelicans my rookie year, my first 40 point game in the league. He was on the team. And then from that point on, like, to him, it was on. Like anytime he see you, <laughs> it was on after that. You know, we've we've got our back and forth throughout the the years and continuing. But man, he was the first one, and I was like, I had the forty one, so I came in the second game like, all right, cool. Like I've had forty one these dudes. Like I know it's gonna be the same. It's different when you kind of unexpected. Everybody going under the screens, and then the next game it's like they're yeah. chasing you, they blitzing you, they not helping as much. Like you know what I mean? So stuff is different. And then on the offense, man, it was like right at my head. You know, as soon as the game started, so. Definitely, uh, definitely Drew Holiday. Yo, 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 we live on location. Me and the blackest one still here chilling out in Orlando, staying safe. Hope you doing the same. This time we got a young up and coming super duper star in the building with us, man. Already been dunk contest champion. Right now he got his team number one in the West and he's pursuing a championship. We got the young, young superstar out of Louisville by way of New York City. We got Donovan, Spider-Man, Mitchell with us, baby. Appreciate you pulling up, homeboy. Sir, appreciate y'all having me, man. I'm excited to do this. Way made a powerful move and joined the ownership of the Utah Jazz. You, uh, yes, I know it's been a, it ain't been that long, and a lot of people compare you to D Wade. You had time to you know really chat with him and yeah, he you know get some of his energy. Man, for sure. You know, I mean, I've been I've been talking to Dwayne really since I got to the league. We got the same uh, agency, so I met him my rookie year. From there, I kind of picked his brain pretty much every year about something. You know, my first year was during. The regular season and playoffs, second year similar, uh, last year the same. And then he hit me about this being a possibility. And I was like, man, like, first yeah. off, the fact that you even doing this in general, forget being owner of the Jazz, the fact that you're doing this is a milestone for Crazy. not just you, but for African-American kids all over the place. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just to be able to see that. Not you, not only were you a Hall of Famer on the floor, but now you about to go ahead and own a NBA team. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, that's crazy. that right there sets an example, sets something like that kids can see, you know, growing up where he grew up, you know, he can go back and say, man, I wasn't just Dwayne Wade, the Hooper. Like I'm the owner now. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, there's level, like, you know what I mean? There's levels to that. So that was, for me, as a black man, that was just dope as hell to see. Um, but as far as, you know, picking his brain, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, he should be out here in the next few days just to kind of chop it up with me but just continuing to find ways to pick his brain about having a chef. Um, that was what I did really my second year, having a chef, get my body right, what you see in the screen and roll, not just playing pick and roll with the five, playing pick and roll small, small, like how to get effective in the mid-range. Because, you know, he didn't shoot threes like I do, but he was right. killer in that mid-range. Like how do, you, how do you get to your spot? Managing runs in a game, you know what I mean? Like understanding the flow of the game. You know, and I feel like that's yeah, a long that's game. That's what they yeah. always tell. It's a long game. You know, you get 20 in the first half and Man. that 20 point lead go away quick. Quick. <laughs> I can remember talking to him the day that he came to y'all game and they announced him and all that stuff. I FaceTimed with him while he was wherever in the arena up in the box or something. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yo, bro, 
Like, this is really crazy. Like, yeah. for real, like you putting on, like you said, for all the little kids and people, you know, that look like us everywhere to be, see him do what he doing. It's crazy, amazing. Then it's like, since you got in the league and we got a chance to see you, you like D-Wade 2.0, you just spoke on the one thing that I think is the biggest difference, like your shooting. He didn't have the range that you have and you being able to combine those two different things and you know, obviously the spider and the jumping and the height and the size and the body makeup. So that's why I definitely call you D-Wade 2.0 because of the way you're able to extend the floor with the three ball. Appreciate it. Man, I just got to get better in the mid-range, man. That's that's my next step, getting better in the mid-range. Oh, man, that's, that's, the, that's the golden ticket right there. That's the hard. Mid-range. That changes that's the whole thing. Yeah, you're in the realms of Jordan and the Kobe's and, the, you know, the Durant's and all the greats, you know? Exactly, exactly. Back-to-back championships in high school. Like, how was that for you to, you know, get to high school, lead your team to a championship? You know what I'm saying? Did you know anything about the history of your school before then? Did they At win the any time, yeah. Then? At the time, yeah. So, like, there's, like, you know, there's levels and classes. Like, for us, mm-hmm. I know how it is in different states. Like, double A, single A, triple A. Yeah, yeah, so we had double so Yeah, we had triple A, which was where Brewster was at the like where schools would have basically the kids who was going really high D one, like one through ten. Mm-hmm. And I was before I switched to Brewster, I was in class C, B. Yeah. So at this time, mm-hmm. I'm a baseball player, like baseball yeah. player through and through. Oh, okay. Like that was basketball was kind of the afterthought, and then mm-hmm. um, I broke my wrist. What position in baseball? Uh, pitcher and shortstop. Pitching, okay, yeah, so that means you was nice. Those are good yeah. positions, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was. I like to say I was tough. I'm humble in everything except when I talk about baseball. Like I was pretty good. I ain't gonna yeah. lie. But like, <laughs> for me, it was like I don't know if I want to stop. You know what I mean? I don't know if I want to stop mm-hmm. playing. And I broke my wrist playing baseball, and I just missed it. And then next thing you knew, uh, Chris McCullough was there, and Chris McCullough was like the legend of. Uh, like prep basketball, New England hoops. Okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I go there, I'm like, man, ain't no way I'm finna play. Like, these dudes is nice. I'm I'm all right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, these dudes is nice. So I get there. My first practice, like, it was so different. My first practice, Dayheim, Roy Williams, Kevin Ali, who else was there? From Virginia, Tony Bennett. Like, they was all there the first day. And then I went from having, like, six Division One offers after that year to, like, 26 in one year. Mm-hmm. And we had, so I was the one that had probably the least amount of offers out of our starting eight, you know, and the level mm-hmm. of basketball just took off after that. And, you know, we ended up winning the first championship. I played with Devontae Graham, who's on the uh, the Hornets. He was the point guard. He mm-hmm. was the guy. Yeah. Like, he was the guy. The way he was yeah. killing last year, everybody's seen it. Like, that was a Devontae Graham I knew in high school. And then yeah. my second year. Um, That's a crazy backcourt, boy. Now, nah, yeah, we was, we was nice. And I, <laughs> and I, I couldn't do nothing I do now, like. The only thing I could do was jump back then, jump and play defense. Mm-hmm. I couldn't shoot. I didn't really have a handle like that. I was kind of just out there. You know what I mean? But I I love basketball more than baseball. So I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to stick with it. You know what I mean? And so I must be doing something right if these coaches keep coming up to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I did that. And then the next year we came back and I was I was more groomed, you know, playing, playing more, being able to kind of well-round my game. And then we ended up winning the chip that year too. And combined, I probably played with, I want to say, 18 to 19 division one players before I even got to college. So that mm. made the college game being around other dudes who are like that easier. It made it easier for me. Yeah, that was, I was just going to say, cause you seeing a lot of guys coming, coming out there school. Now a lot of guys coming on through one of the guys I loved was uh Jalen LeCure. I think Le-Cure. that's name. Yep. LeCure, him and Terrence Clark. And Young, like they, I love, I love they group. You know, yeah, so I was yeah. watching a lot of YouTube and then when they group was in there and doing their thing. Rest in peace to my God, T. Clark, man. He he was like a little brother to me, man. And you know, this is his this is his shirt right here. And you know, he was talent talented kid, man. Talented kid. I yeah. saw that in one of the slam videos or something that y'all was like FaceTiming each other, and I was like, I didn't know that you know that that was like your little homie like that. Yeah, I tried to take him under my wing and just just show him, you know, because he was talented. Talented kid, yeah, and I said I was trying to explain that people are gonna come out of everywhere to try and be your friend, be with you, like just stay steady and kind of stay with what's uh, ahead of you. And he had his head on straight, man. He was going out there doing his thing, working out. Um, I knew his mom, knew his family well, and for it to happen like that, man, that sh- that shit was hard, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. He yeah. reached a lot of people, man. He reached a lot of people, and he was a special talent and a great kid too. 
always smiling. Yeah, always I, mean, the, I was about to say the one thing I didn't know anything about him or who he was, but every video, every picture I saw, and like that was what jumped out at me. The biggest big smile, smile light up the room. He was always ever, happy like, yeah, and joking and having fun. Like yeah. that's definitely a tragedy that that had yeah. to happen, man. For like sure. everybody picture with him is just man, big smile, man. I'm talking about bright smile. Man. Every every there was never a bad day with T. Clark. That's the one thing I say. Every, every day was a smile, man. Yeah, it looked like from the videos, like man, his teammates loved him. Like everybody yeah. loved being around him. That definitely is a big loss to a lot of kids that come up in his class and Kentucky and all that. But rest in peace. Rest in peace, T. Clark. Clark. So coming out, you was highly recruited. You know, you highly recruited you up there. How was that for you to be known as like you won the top in the country? It was cool. I mean, it was something for me that was I was kind of in a shock because like I told you, I was a baseball player first. Like that was my mm. thing. And so it really recruitment for me was really two years and it took off. So it went from like, you know, the lower D1 schools calling. And then next thing you know, it's like, boom, like Louisville, Rick Pitino on the phone, Iowa, Providence, Florida State, Kansas, UNC. Um, I never got Duke or Kentucky, like, the call from them. But, like, you ha I had pretty much every other school calling and you having the head yeah. coaches call. And y'all know it's a difference when it's the assistants versus the head coaches calling you. Definitely, you know yeah. I mean? and the scout or somebody. Exactly. <laughs> when the head coach called, that means he really wants you. Exactly. So I knew you was a boy because you just mentioned it. Florida State recruited you. My best friend, he was the assistant there, Dennis Gates. He's now a uh, head coach dude. at Cleveland State. Yeah. So, yeah, right. So, he was telling, like, that's who I, whenever I hear about high school guys or the young guys coming through, he's always, you know, he's out on the D summer Gates. recruiting. He <laughs> sees everybody. So, whenever I hear about people, I say, yo, D Gates, what's up with him? What's up with him? When I ask him about you, he say, yo, watch. He was like, watch them. He was like, he ain't even got to where he going to be yet. He was like, they seeing something that, that ain't even going to be where he going to be. They like, right now, he just playing off. But when you said you was just an athlete, that made me think about what he told me. He was like, you were just playing off athleticism and this and that. But he was like, he got a whole nother gear. But the one thing that he told me that stuck out about you, he was like, the kid work hard and he play his ass off. And I like when somebody yeah. do those, like when he give me that type of scouting report and he tell me like he liked the kid, like what you about, how you care. So then when he tell me you worked your ass off and you play hard, it's over with. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's pretty yeah. much the biggest part of the recipe for me that people need to be able to make it. Yeah, yeah man. That's my dog, man. He was, it was <laughs> tough. I think I tell people this all the time. Kids are being recruited. Like I tell people, that's a tough thing for 18, 17, 18 year old to tell a coach that you got that close bond with that you not coming to school there. Yeah. I think I that's one that. of the toughest phone calls like ever. That's something that's like you can become real close with that coach. Your mom would tell you, hey, you gotta be a man and go on tell him. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be a man and go ahead and tell him. <laughs> exactly. That was a tough one. Cause there was like a few head coaches. Him, shout out Coach Francis, who went to who was at Iowa at the time. Like those two schools for me was like, man, like. You know, oh, so those was the schools that almost got Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, they almost, they almost got me. And um, I tell people this all the time: like I wanted to go to UNC. Like mm -hmm. I didn't care if I was the last man on the bench. If they would have offered me a scholarship, like I would have went to UNC. Love that history. Love that UNC history. But man, when I went to Louisville, <laughs> when I went to Louisville, I made sure I told everybody in the locker room. I said, "Hey, we ain't losing to them. Like we lost. I'm probably lost yeah. one time, I think, but we ain't losing to them." Like. They didn't offer me, and Roy's a great guy. I've talked to Roy about it. I told Roy, Coach Roy Williams, that, and I was like, man, like, if only we didn't know, and he was like, you know him. He was like, ah, oh, God dang it, Donovan, or something like that. You know he did. <laughs> but, like, that was the school I wanted to go to for sure. But I'm happy everything worked out at Louisville, and things have been great since. Yeah, you chose Pacino, and Pacino got that history. You know, he's been in the game forever, and he coached some greats. What did you learn from Pacino when you was playing with him that, you know, just kind of stuck with you now, today? Um, I would say two things. I would say first, he has a way of unlocking something that is there that you don't know. Like like you yeah, said, like yeah. uh, like, you, like you said, Dennis Gay said, like, he unlocked a dog, like a fire in me. I already had mm -hmm. a fire, but like when you, he, un he just tapped into it because now you're playing angry Cause he was cr he crazy, like Coach P's crazy. You know, everybody knows. Like, he, you know I mean, Coach P taught you how to control your powers, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now it's like you playing angry. You know what I mean? But like not yeah. like like angry, but like it's like a, I don't know how to describe. But he unleashes that dog inside of you. For me, it was just like everybody in front of me is not better than me. 
Like he created mm-hmm. that competitive, that competitive nature. Him and uh, a bunch of the assistant coaching staff that was there, they created that culture where it's like everybody, and you know, that's how they kind of recruit, you know, the Russ Smith, the Peyton Siva, the Trez, Terry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody's like kind of under-recruited, under the radar, and then like mm-hmm. you always play against the better teams with the better schools, the five-star recruits. So he definitely created that hunger and that fire that was there, but he kind of took it to a different level. And then him and um, Coach Ralph Willard, do y'all know who that is? Mm-mm. Uh, so he was the assistant coach at the time, and they had told me they changed my jump shot. Like, the reason why, you know, really kind of started shooting well is because I started to shoot, you know, on a line drive. And then oh. we spent the whole summer just shooting with a different trajectory. You know, he always referred Working to Steph. Arc. Yeah, talking about the arc. And it changed everything. And I started shooting from farther. And I started shooting from NBA range in practice just so I can get used to it. So when I made the transition, that was one of the things that really caught people by surprise because they didn't know I could really shoot like that. Right. How was it being in, in Louisville? And I know when you go to Kentucky, mm-hmm. the, the, hey, University of Kentucky and them bluegrass, boy, they kind of take up most of the land yeah. <laughs> down there. How was it, you know, being in Kentucky and being at Louisville, knowing that like most of the state is rooting for the Wildcats and, you know, y'all was good teams them years to, to yeah. you know, represent and, you know, make y'all mark? I mean, it was a story of my life, really. Like, not expecting us to win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At that time, we played We played Jamal Murray my freshman year, Tyler Eulis, Poitras was there. The team we beat had Bam Adebayo, Malik Monk, Isaiah Briscoe, mm. De'Aaron mm-hmm. Fox, and uh, mm. somebody else. I'm missing somebody. So I never let them hear the end of it because that was like the last time we beat mm-hmm. Kentucky in a very long time. But, you know, the, the whole state. But that one game, I will say, like, there's nothing getting crazier than that, that Kentucky-Louisville rivalry because it's one time a year. It's the bragging rights yeah. for the whole year, like that one game. And it's usually right around Christmas, New Year's time. So nobody's in school. Everybody like mm. has time off and everybody comes to the game. And that's definitely one of them games where it's like, that means more in Kentucky than winning a national championship. That's like, what I was about to say. Like, yeah. I've seen the commercials yeah. and the different things. Is it really mm-hmm. like in when you in Kentucky, it's either red and blue in your yard, it. and it's like some yards, some households got the it's red and blue, and they fighting and this, but they like that's a real thing in Kentucky. That's real, and everything closed down. I mean, everything from the gas station <laughs> to the 7 Eleven, everything closed on that day. Like, once five o'clock hit, six or whatever the game time is, like, that's it. Everybody's watching the game, everybody's tuning in for like that day. It's uh, it's pretty wild. What is that like to be on that type of like you know like the whole town like the whole mm-hmm. state shut down for the day like and it's like all out like what type of atmosphere is that? Like I was probably one of the most nervous games I've ever had. You know when I went to Kentucky it was probably more nerve wracking than playing at home because when you get there I'm usually the first one to go out and shoot in the student section there. They already there. So <laughs> they like, waiting on you. Exactly. So they they're already there waiting for you. You know what I'm saying? So they out there. They got your name. They got who you dated in high school. They got who you talked to <laughs> in college. They got all, they got all that stuff like written down. They got your mom, your sister, your favorite, like everything. Oh, first mm-hmm. Instagram photo, like they got all that. It's, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. Man. It's all on all on these big posters. So not only are they reading it, they showing it. Like they showing yeah, it. Like they holding oh, them up in there on your free throws like, and stuff. Exactly. And I'm like, damn, like they really do their homework. Like they go all out, man. And then the game itself is, I will say, you get it's five on eight when you go to Kentucky, but it's five on eight when you play at Louisville too. Like it's it's like that. It feels like a high school game when you go play your the rival team. Right. Right. Yeah, them boys be in that red zone when they come on down. Referees trying to get up out of town, nice and unbothered. (laughs) How was them? How was them Lamar Jackson football games when he was there? He was going. Crazy. Going nuts. It's crazy because our freshman year, he came in and replaced. So we had the starting quarterback get hurt. The second string like got hurt. And then the third string wasn't playing well. So Lamar was like the fourth string our freshman year. So then he came in and all he really was doing was running and throwing bombs. So it kind of worked some games and that was it. (laughs) I don't know what he did that summer, but him, he came back. Different, different dude. Different dude. Like, my man was doing like picking people apart. You know, you seen that was I think that was the Heisman year. Like that was the year where he yeah. just up and down the field, jumping over people, doing all these different things. Like he had campus 
like Louisville is usually a, a basketball team school, like basketball kind of runs the school. So yeah. it's kind of us yeah. and him. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and he was bigger than us. Like he was, he was that guy. He was that yeah. dude. And I will say something about Lamar. Like people all con- consistently talk trash about him and all that and talk, say he's not this, he's not that. Couldn't be more humble. Couldn't be more yeah. well-grounded. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't know he's Lamar Jackson if you had a conversation with him. But I think it's pretty dope because the amount of stuff that was thrown his way that he had to navigate as a college student, I can only imagine. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like he handled it well, still handling it well, and props to him. And shout out, shout out to Lamar, man. Shout out to Lamar. Yes, well, uh, when you knew that, like, yeah, man, it's time for me to go see what I can do up there. Is nothing else in college that I can do? I want to, you know, go to the next level. Honestly, I left to go to work out in L.A. Um, I paid for everything because I didn't know if I wanted to really leave. Didn't know if I was going to be good enough to make it. And then I worked out and it was CP and Paul George. Two separate conversations. Um, and CP's brother, CJ. So three separate conversations. Like my agent told me CJ. I was good enough. Yeah, shout out to CJ too, man. People don't know a great, great dude in CJ. The trainer at the time who worked for the agency was telling me I was good enough. Uh, and you know, we're growing up in those AU tournaments. Everybody tell you agents only want your money. They ain't looking at what's best for you. So at the time, I tell my agent this all the time. Like he was like, "You can, you can be a first round pick." I'm like, "Shoot, I ain't, I ain't listening to you, bro. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> I listen to you. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if you tell me the truth or not." So then I had a conversation with those three uh, about two weeks into my trip, and I was like, "Shoot, I mean, if they saying it, they're not gonna lie. You know what I mean? Like, if they right. saying it, then clearly they must see something." And from that point on called the coach and I was like, look, like this is what I'm about to do. Um, and I'm about to go ahead and make that jump. And from there, it's continued. I did like 14 and 15 different workouts. That's how it came about. So he was like me, D-Miles. D-Miles, was, he, was, he was special. He was top three. He yep. went and had steak dinners and hollered at the set down and had a nice little meeting. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was flying around the country having 18, 19 hey. different workouts trying to figure it out. No, I hey. bust a lot of ass in workouts when I was Coming up in the workout, we could still play against each other. So them boys was getting it. Hey, you know, I tell you this, they do it now. Them workouts, that's a grueling process, man. Having to fly around 14. It's like 14, 15. You had 18, you said, right? Like in a month, a month, two Something months? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's what I see. Couple of weeks. That's, like for, <laughs> that's, for your, that's for your future, too. Like, it ain't like you just yeah. do it. Like, that's for your future. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's a tough process, for sure. How was it when you got to hear your name get called and you got to walk across that stage and shake the man's hand. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, like you said, you dream of that moment. You get up there and you hear your name called. I got my family here with me and then I got some of my families up in the suite, up in the Barclays. So I'm back home and all my friends and family in the crowd, like all that's happening. And, yeah, that's you know, right. That's you in the crib. I didn't even think I was going to be in the green room until a week before because they only invite oh. the top what? 18, 17 people in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, like you've seen the people that some people that kind of stay in there until the second round. I was like, man, like I don't know where I'm going to go. And to be honest with y'all, to start the day, like I thought I was going to be going to the Hornets. Like, mm-hmm. so I was like, shoot, all right, I'm going to 11, I'm going to Charlotte. I'm wearing Jordan. Like, that's what I was thinking. Like, I'm thinking everything would have been. <laughs> he got his out. Like, I'm about to be like, Jordan. I'm like, all right, this is, this is the plan. Like, I'm going to be in Charlotte. It's a two-hour flight from the crib. Mom, dad, like, this is what we're going to do. This is... So then we get there, and then they pick Malik Monk. So now I'm stuck. I'm like, ooh, all right. Like, I might be going to Detroit. I didn't miss. They, uh, they picked Luke. I didn't work out for Denver, but I didn't know there was a trade going on. So they picked me. So I was happy, but I was like, man, like, I'm trying to think of all the guards they have. I'm like, damn, that's, they got Jamal, they got Gary Harris, they got Malik Beasley, they got this dude, and that dude, that's five guards. And then you got me, that's right. six. And as I'm walking down, I think it was Maria Taylor. She was like, you got traded. And you see, I don't know if you, if you ever see the video, like I'm smiling like a little extra because I'm like, man, like I wanted to go to Utah. They was great to me. Like, they was cool. Like, I love the city. The people were great. So I was like, man, I'm happy to go there. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was the whole moment. How was it for you when you uh you went Utah, you look at the roster, you see Gordon Haywood was been their best player. Mm-hmm. Like, how was it for you to see Gordon like leave? Like, yeah. and now you is you hear and it's like, all right, so I'm here and they had these low expectations, but they believed in you. Right. Did you start rocking? Right. When Gordon left, I didn't know how that would impact me. You know, I, I mm-hmm. looked at myself as like, 
a guard and, you know, there were still people in front of me we had signed. So Gordon left, but we had signed Ricky Rubio. We had Ronnie Hood. Right. Um, Joe Johnson mm-hmm. was still there. So they still had mm-hmm. some pieces from the team that had just yeah. uh, played in the second round the year before. So I'm like, all right, let me just try and find it. Let me crack the rotation. Let me get like mm-hmm. six rebounds, eight points. Like, that's the goal. Let me try and find mm-hmm. a way to do that. Like, that was my thought process. We get through the first half of the season, or first few months of the season, two months, I think. And then by November, and I give a huge credit to Coach Quinn, man, for believing in me and kind of putting the ball in my hands on a team that had just mm-hmm. made the playoffs. Yeah. Kind of searching and didn't really know what we were going to be, whether we we're going to make the playoffs, we we're going to be a lottery team. And at that point, we were kind of making our way out the playoffs. We were like 19 and 30, and then we went on a crazy 15-game win streak or something like that. Yeah, I remember that, that yeah. But, like, I get Coach credit. He saw something that was just like, like, man, like, all right, go ahead. Like, you know, next thing you know, it's 25, 28, 30, 33, like, and it's consistent, you know, throughout the year. And, you know, we ended up surprising a lot of people. And then we ended up making the playoffs that year against a team that had beaten us. They swept us. They swept us my rookie year, 4-0 of them. I think it was 4-0 or 3-1 or whatever. But it was Russ, PG, and Melo, and they had – killed us throughout the whole year and then we get to the playoffs and we just went out there and you know I had a series that I was just like man like I'm playing against Melo who I grew up watching when I went to Nick games I tried to copy all the moves that Russ was doing he's out here dunking on people (laughs) and then PG a few months ago told me that I should be in the league like now we in a playoff series like that for me that was one of my everybody asked my welcome to the NBA I mean I had a few of those but that was kind of a surreal one for me and you know we get to that playoff series and I'm just coasting through and we're doing our thing and we ended up winning that one. Uh, so it was crazy how you go from the goal was to win, to get eight and six and just make the rotation right. to then being honestly where I'm at now, I think it's, it's, I'm definitely blessed and lucky for that opportunity that came and continue to put the work in. Yeah. That, that, that's three hall of famers right there. That was a big, <laughs> Straight big, up. Shoot, that's a big series. And man, you play mature, you play well, you know what I'm saying? You didn't have that type of experience and nothing like that. I have noticed from you now, you know what I'm saying? You getting that experience early and so forth on. You very patient now. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? You ain't like how the, your first year, you know, kind of bulldozing a little bit. And you know what I'm saying? Just going, going, going. But like, I see your patience waiting for the picks and making sure guys really getting picked instead of going ahead and run and so forth. So how is that for you mm-hmm. to kind of see the game and the game slow down a little bit for you this early? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This early. It's crazy because it comes one with a lot of film. I think that's the most one of the most underrated aspects of the game is watching yourself and watching the bad highlights, mm-hmm. like watching the bad ones, like the bad games, the bad possessions. So for me, like you said, setting up the pick and roll is huge, not just, all right, here he comes. Let me just take off. Like, let me just use my athleticism because now you're playing the Drew Holidays, you're playing the, the Paul Georges, the Clay Thompsons, the dudes who are just as athletic or can slide their feet and be able to stay in front of you. So now you're making it harder on yourself, you know, setting the guy up, coming off the pick and roll. The only thing that's not the rim, like, you know, you got Rudy on the lob. And then this year, the past two years, what we have, we have excellent shooters. So it's made my life so much easier. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like I'm coming off, it's like, shoot, you want to help? All right, cool. Like, Boyan's in the three. You don't want to help? All right, cool. I got to lay it. You know what I mean? And kind of repping that out. But it starts with being able to see what I was doing wrong. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But then there's no experience like going through it in the game, going in through a season over and over again. So for me, it's like, okay, you've been here before. You've seen every coverage. Now how do you manipulate it? You know what I mean? And there's definitely areas that I can definitely improve in, but I can feel the game slowing down. And I've you hear everybody say that, and you don't really know until you're going through it and you're like, ah, yeah. This is what everybody's talking it's about. Possession this is what everybody's at a time. It's a possession at a time. Like you know it's exactly what's about to happen before that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you kind of can come down and pick apart. One of the things that I always respected about you, you got out there and you got in a dunk contest and you, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying, you actually got to win it. Just tell me about how that was, because I know as a kid, you know, that was one of the things that I always watched. I wished I would have been became a, a good enough dunker to compete in the dunk <laughs> contest. But, I, you know, I got to shoot threes out there. But just tell me how that experience was for you as a rookie being out there on the stage. that I know you didn't watch so many times growing up and then to actually 
get to win and be up there and you get mm-hmm. your moment that you didn't watch so many times. People stand up there and hold Jordan, a trophy. The like, how, yeah, the, the, some of the legendary the guys. Greats. Like, <laughs> how was that for you to get that moment as a rookie right away? I mean, honestly, it was crazy because I didn't get selected as the main four. I only, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Are you a replacement? Yeah, I was a replacement. So Aaron Gordon got hurt. And then I only had two weeks to kind of prepare. So I only had two weeks to prepare. So I was like, shoot, all right. Every dunk I did, I've been doing since high school. So like Mm -hmm. the first one, the first one I threw it off the other basket, that simulates like a wall in high school, you know, where you had the wall behind the exactly. Like that was the same thought process and everything else I had already been doing. And once I made the first one, like you good after that. Like for me, it's like you gotta make the first one. Yeah, and then everybody else started now. missing. Exactly, exactly. Everybody started missing, so then my confidence grew even more. So I'm like, okay, like, because I thought Dennis would have won hands down. Like Dennis is, I, I know y'all seen the tapes. Like Dennis Smith got yeah. some, got some crazy bounces. Let me ask you this: the right before you got ready to dunk, you sitting on the, the little box and stuff, and you know the world is watching. And That's when it hit packed you. in her, and you got all your purrs all. KD, LeBron, all them on the side. Like, what was the nerves at? And where was the the butterflies at in that moment when you kind of sitting there and you just breathing and, you know, you finna come up next? Commercial uh, break, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, for me, what helped is was I wasn't sitting on the uh, bench. So what I did was okay. after I dunked, I went, because I changed every fit. So I, every dunk, I changed uh, every fit. So I would leave. So I left until it was like my turn. So I wasn't really thinking about. Oh, so you didn't get all that. You didn't get that yeah, roar. I kind of just eliminated <laughs> it all. That. I need to hear nobody that's else why, say that's nothing. Why. To me. Nah, that's why. Everybody got advice to give you. I'm like, man, I don't want to hear none of that right now. Like I'm in my, <laughs> my own zone. So I left every chance I got, and then came back on the floor. I got the opportunity to be on the the front cover of the slam. And I know coming up, man, seeing the front cover slam and everybody was on the front cover, you know, we always want to be right smack dead on the front cover. And uh, how was it for you to be on the front cover slam, something that you've been looking at since high school? It's, it's part of the culture. And, and now they got you represented and it's just you on the front cover. Yeah. The fact that it was just me, I think, was crazy to me. You know what I mean? Because you see mm-hmm. slam clubs, it's like, you know, maybe two three, four, you know, mm-hmm. five guys, you know what I'm saying? Like that iconic photo shoot, what was that? Was it 90, not 96, when it was like- uh, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, yeah. Like for me, they were like, man, like they want to come do it with me. So I'm like, yo, like this is, this is crazy. I still got it in my house, it's as big as hell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, you gotta have it, you gotta have it. Big poster. Exactly, and you know, for me, it was just like, Man, like a lot of stuff my rookie year happened so fast. I wish I took more time to kind of savor each moment, you know what I mean? Because it just mm-hmm. happened. Like everything was just happening. But like I never forget that we shut the whole arena down and everybody was just taking photos and stuff like that. And it was a moment that I'll never forget. A moment that I'd be able to at least show my kids, be like, look, your dad was yeah. somebody. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like your dad did something. You know what I'm saying? So, I was a bad boy. Exactly. So uh, it was definitely a, a pretty dope moment for sure. Now that's your first All-Star game. Now, you know, it's not the rookies game. This is you part of the elite. Like, yeah. like how is that to be your first All-Star game, mom, sister, mm-hmm. get a chance to experience it, see it? You know what I'm saying? Like, how was that for you? The big game. That was, that whole weekend for me was just, just wild. Like, you know, just being able to be, because you see certain things like growing up, you see things in cameras, you see spread like bits and pieces, like yeah. you now you that person. Like you can know I mean you got like all that person. behind the scenes. Like, <laughs> exactly. You see all the talk in the locker room. Exactly. <laughs> so for me, it's like we had a meeting where both teams come and meet and talk to Adam and uh Michelle. And I sat down and I could I could see everybody in the room and I'm sitting there and it's the CP, it's Ron, it's Russ, it's Giannis, it's it's as all so many dudes that you're looking at like man, like you're doing it, like what you what you accomplish right. your goals, you're kind of getting there, you know. And I'm in this room sitting with these guys, like I'm a part of that, you know. what I mean, you're a part of this, and you know, you always know that I feel like I belong. Like there's there's definitely that time where I, I'm past that point where I know I belong in the league, but there's always moments throughout where you kind of can sit back, and that's one thing I love doing is just sit back and reflect on where I'm at and where I'm currently at, you know what I mean? And for me, it's like man, that that moment for me being able to sit in that room and to be a part of that, 
Like it's something that's truly special. And I hope to continue to experience those as my career goes along. But that was that was definitely a special moment. Yeah, you only get that first one time. That was big. Exactly. I don't know about the world, but I know for me, Utah Jazz was the team that made me take Corona serious. You know, how was that experience? Uh, I think I was playing against CP3 now, and they pulled y'all off the court. And uh, just take us back to last year, like, you know, when all this is coming along, because we don't know what's going on, you know? Yeah. And everybody is saying this, everybody's saying that. But, like, for me, I, like I said, I can't speak for the world, but for me, when I knew it was serious, it was when the league told y'all that y'all couldn't play. That was, in a word, I mean, crazy. You know, out of a movie, you know what I'm saying? Like, you felt like you was just in one of them scary-ass movies and, like, the world was watching you. You know what I'm saying? We we were in the locker room for, what was it? Then what was it, like, seven hours, eight hours? Yeah, I know. Hey, because I was at work. I got over. They were like, they still there? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, we was in there for a minute, and, you know, it was kind of to a point where we just didn't know what the hell. We didn't know if we had it, because at this point in time, we're doing the tests that go all the way up to here. You know, the tests have changed now. We oh, Lord, yeah. So oh, I, I wouldn't wish that on nobody. It felt like they were <laughs> tickling my brain when they were tickling <laughs> that deep. But, um, yeah, so that that was just a wild moment. And then we all, once we left, we got to the hotel and I found out I had it. Um, and for me, it was just many emotions. Biggest thing for me was, you know, because at that time, there was a kid that had died in high school from it. You know, so we mm-hmm. really didn't know the age range. We didn't know how serious it was. Yeah. So I was like, all right, like, am I going to be okay? And my immediate thought, because I had just seen my my family three days but prior to that, like, my mom and sister and my dad, like, are they going to yeah. be good? And they had, they had gotten tested immediately. And, you know, everything that happened, man, it was just like just a wild time. And then to go and sit in your house for, like, I couldn't leave Once. my like, room for like right. 14 days straight. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. as I felt, I'm glad, I'm thankful I had no symptoms. Thankful Rudy, Rudy's symptoms were minor, you know, for after mm-hmm. the first two days. But, you know, I, that was something that was just a scary ass feeling, man. And, you know, then from that, we sitting at the home, like you said, Q Rich for months, not knowing what the hell going on, not knowing if we playing, right. not knowing if the world going to shut down. We don't know what, everybody had their own little theories of like, oh, this is what's going to happen in three months. Three months later, we get yeah. there and it happened. You know what I'm saying? So we didn't know. What was going on? During that time, like when you waiting, like you hear all the stories about what guys were doing to stay ready. What were you doing to try and just be as ready as possible for whenever anything, like at what point did you start like preparing? Like, or was it right when you got well from the, you know, from your mm-hmm. battle with it? And then, you know, once you were good to go, like when did you start just like, I gotta be trying to do something because we don't know how long it's gonna last. Yeah. I took a month probably off, month or so of just doing nothing. I mean, I would do a little something, but month of not thinking about playing basketball because at that point in time, I was like, shit, ain't, we ain't playing. Like, right. you know, ain't no way we finishing the season. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> right. And then, you know, with my assistant coach at the time, who's with the Knicks now, uh, Johnny Bryant, you know, we kind of put a plan together. It was like, look, whether we play or not, let's be ready. You know, so we kind of attacked it through film sessions, attacked it. Like, and that's one thing I say that really helped me was just kind of when I, before I got to the bubble was attacking it. Who do I struggle against? Why did I struggle? What coverage were they in? Why wasn't I successful against a coverage against this team, but I was able to do it against a different team? You know, is it height? Is it length? Is it speed? Is it finding ways? Why am I not hitting guys who are open in the high quadrant, who are open in the corner? Like, literally attacking every every day was something different. You know, I was kind of had, like, homework per day, you know, kind of getting right. to that film session. You know, the bat, the running and stuff, I go for a jog. I didn't have a gym in my house at the time. I didn't really have much, but I go for a jog and try and stay in shape that way, but the biggest thing was the mental part of the game. See that flag? Like, that's when I would say that the game slowed down for me after that, mm-hmm. after that going into the bowl, because you would t- I had to literally attack every possible situation that I was going to see on the floor because we ain't doing shit else. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, we in the house yeah. ain't done. So, literally attacking it every way possible through film. Um, that was one way I felt I got better for sure. When you heard that y'all was going to continue the season and it was going to be this bubble. What were your thoughts on that? Did you thought uh, it was going to work and you was going to be prepared? I didn't want to go at first, um, to be honest <laughs> with you. I did not want to go. I didn't know if it was going to work. There was a lot. There was so many unknowns that it was just like, mm-hmm. for me, I didn't want to leave my family and leave the house and, and kind of do that. But 
you know, for me, my family was okay with it. My sister, I talked to it out. And my teammates were like, look, if we're going to go, we're going to go as a group. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to do this. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be like we just there to show up. And we were there. Like, obviously, it was obviously it was no secret. It's about collecting money, too. Like, for sure, we, we, we do this money, job for money, too. But, like, we was right. like, look, we're going to go. Like, we're going to go to try to compete for a chip. We ain't just going to just go there and just be there. Be there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I felt, felt at that point, it was like, okay, like, the coach did a great job. Like, we had Zoom sessions once a week once every two weeks, kind of going over at who are we going to play, whether it's Houston, it's Dallas, it's Denver, like kind of going over schemes. And we kind of were engaged that way as a group. And I felt like that was one of the things that kind of got me on board with like, all right, like we're going to do this. Like we're going to go out there and compete. And at that point in time, I was like, all right, let's get it. Like let's go find a way to do it and go from there. Shout out to the NBA, man. I feel like they did a great job. Yeah, that was, you know, pull that uh, off was amazing. It was a a unique look because I never seen NBA basketball with no fans and the big screen on the side and all that stuff. So it was, it was a different look than we were used to, but we were very entertained. But sure, one of the best playoff scoring series we got an opportunity to see you and Jamal Murray going in. And how was that tournament for you? Like to see another player over there holding his wheel up and just trying to just score as much for his team and doing everything for his team and you right back at him and to go through that battle. I felt like, you know, both of us kind of took a step, you know, with that. You know, I think at the end of the day, no fans, it's the playoffs. It's just kind of you and I at a point, you know, where it's like you mm-hmm. go score, all right, well, I got to go ahead and match that. You know, kind of like a streetball mindset, you know, within the flow mm-hmm. of the game too. You know what I'm right. saying? So, we obviously, we had lost Boyan, who was a 20-point-per-game scorer at the time. So we had to get him. And then Mike Conley had a baby, so he was out the first two games. We were kind of like, oh, shit, like, yeah, right, we got to figure this out. And then the 57-point game happened, and then I was like, all right, well, I can't do all of it. Like, I'm going to have to find ways to, to create. And so then I was able to map out and put those scoring performances with assist with, while mm-hmm. being efficient, you know what I mean? And I think that was something for me that allowed me to grow – but Jamal and I have been going back and forth, man, since high school. Like, people mm-hmm. don't know that about us. Like, we played in all-star games against each other. In college, uh, we played against each other. He yeah. went to Louisville. And then throughout the league, you know, and the only difference is this time it was on the national stage. Like, we have been had our battles throughout Denver, Utah before, you know, but the only difference mm-hmm. is now we do it in the playoffs. And it was a lot of fun, man. It was a great competition. And, you know, I mean, we still talk about it all the time, but, like, you know, I think the best thing about it is you saw the competitiveness, not just within ourselves, but within our teams. Uh, like within, we saw a lot about each other as a team throughout that entire series. How unique was it that of a situation where it was like, you know, y'all having these crazy battles, 50 point games, and then y'all got to walk back to the hotel and y'all might <laughs> walk past each, each other and see each other right over there. Yeah, it was crazier because- Like I remember y'all had like a video us. at one point, like you was trying to chill and he was like yeah. over there or vice versa or something. <laughs> exactly. I remember seeing that's, that. That's what it was. That's what the whole campus was. And it was a point where we were on the floor above them or below them. So we were one floor removed. So like we get to the elevator, buses leave at the same time. Like you on the elevator, it's like me, Michael Porter, they video right. dude, our video dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it was weird, but like, you kind of just kept your headphones on, which is like, all right, like, I ain't talking to you right now. Like, you know what I mean? It was kind of, it was still a business mindset. Like, we got to go out there and do what we got to yeah. do. But it was definitely weird, especially after when we lost game seven, we had to see him. Like, I didn't want to fucking talk to him after, you know what I'm saying? But like, it was definitely <laughs> right. weird seeing him after the games like that. But it was definitely a tough series. And looking back in the bubble, it was a great experience. And we got a lot done on and off the floor, too. Absolutely. This year, how was it this year for the team? Like, man, y'all played good to be the number one seed in the West. A lot of people didn't expect y'all to be the number one seed in the West. Like, how is that for you to accomplish that with the team now? You know, I know it's not, you know, like no moral victories, but like, you know, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah. You know, it kind of goes back to that bubble. It goes back to losing game seven and the message and the tone after the bubble was don't forget this. You know, we had an mm-hmm. opportunity up 3-1 and we let our foot off the gas. You know, we stopped mm-hmm. paying attention to the little details. And we you saw the carryover this year. You know, we every game, you know, there were games that we lost last year by a lot that we either come back and win or we're up by a lot and we make it a close game and we keep it up by a lot. And you know how that goes. But can you up 30 
you know, and you just like, I bet we up 30. Like the great teams, the teams that win championships, like they don't let their foot off the gas. Like no matter who's in the game, no matter how you feeling, no matter what the road trip looked like, like you have a four and five, that fit, like, you know, that fourth game in wherever, you know I mean? That's that's a game you win. You know, that's what championship teams are supposed to do. It's not like, a, oh, we're going to blame it on the four and five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like that's the mindset for us this year. And I felt like you saw that accumulate. You saw that kind of cultivate, you know, throughout the entire season. And then Great we team ball. Exactly. You know, and now we got to go out here and prove it. Yeah. yeah, I think people don't realize how much Bogdan meant for y'all. I said that last year working on NBA TV. I said it, you know, he was a huge piece, a 20-point scorer. Not mm-hmm. being there is, is huge. He's able to shoot, stretch the floor, do some playmaking and some other things. And so I felt like he he was a huge part of the, you know, the push for which y'all had this year as well, having him back. 100%. 100%. He did it when I was up. Well, for like 19 games, he averaged yeah about 25 yeah. points. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he was going out there. He had a 48 I think that game. first game you was out, he had like 40 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 48 <laughs> game. Like, that's – that's what he can do. He can go get, go ahead and score, you know, and he had an up and down yeah. year to that point. And, you know, he's hitting his stride at the right time of the year. How How is it talking to John Stockton, the legend? John Stockton, like the Loch Ness monster. We don't see him nowhere but because Zaga games. You know what I'm saying? Like, how is that, man? Because he's one of the greats to ever do it. Yeah. Um, I haven't spoken to him or Carl that much in the recent two years. I think my mm-hmm. first two years, I spoke to them because they were around a little bit more. Obviously, with COVID, things have been crazy mm-hmm. different, and yeah. different. But usually, mm-hmm. they'd be in like a little room out across from the locker room and just being able to see their presence. They come in and say hello and, and kind of just talk to them about their days. You know, obviously, Hall of Famers, legends. You know, the one thing I always remember he told me, and I was talk- we were just talking about this, was the patience, the poise. You know, like being able to find that, you know, in your second year, you you hear that from everybody. So you're like, all right, all right like, I don't know what that is yet. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to find that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And, you know, and then you get to a point where you find it and you're like, ah, like, that's what you were saying. That's, I get it now. You know what I mean? So they've been great. Utah loves them to death. You know, when things open back up, I assume they'll be back in, back around and being able to kind of be with us, give us more gems. Tell me about, the impact that Keon Dooling has had on the team because he's somebody that, you know, obviously that's like, that's our brother. We came in, I've known Keon since I was 13 years old. Early today. And, you know, we played four years and like, that's, that's been our boy. We just know how he has that infectious personality and how he's able to lift up a whole room and and just the mood. And every time I'm on TV and I would see y'all doing well, working on NBA, I always yell out something random. Like, that's the Keon Doolin effect. I didn't know one how y'all vote, but like, like I know he's not, you know, the the main thing, but like, just talk about the impact that he's had coming there. Cause I know what type of great guy he is. One of my favorite people in the world. Yeah, he, um, you know, we talked about Terrence Clark not having a bad day. Like I've That's never seen KD have a bad day. Like every day, yeah. man. And we he's my guy. So we work out, we do all our workouts together every day. Man, like he could win the Mr. Positivity Award every year, every day. Like oh, yes. he, he's always, you know, geeking everybody up. You know, we got a big game. He's putting always that he's like that battery pack on everybody, putting on everybody's back. Like he's charging people up. He's always in a good spirit, man. And I think we've had cause we had some we had some tough stretches to start the year. Like we got we lost by I think it was like 30 to Brooklyn. Then we lost uh, to New York. And he was in there like, man, just all smiles. Like, this ain't nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and kind of giving you that lightheartedness and understanding that, yeah, this is what you do. This is your job. But, like, there's life. And, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a life that you have outside of yeah. basketball and enjoying that mm-hmm. and enjoying the days and enjoying the, the opportunities that you have every day, not taking them for granted. And that's kind of what I was referring to when I say kind of putting yourself where your feet are. Like right now, mm-hmm. kind of seeing where you at because it's like, man, like, you know, this, these are experiences that you're going to last a lifetime. You know, the game is great and you want to achieve all these different accomplishments. But I would say the one thing he's taught me for sure is just enjoying where you at. Don't take anything for granted and just having a, a great mindset and a great positive vibe. Yeah, I would, he was somebody that just being around him, you know what he, the value he brings to that type of a setting and, and right. what he can do to help because we experienced it on a day-to-day basis for four straight years and, and, you know, just every time you talk to him, he's exactly what you said. He's that joke, that mm-hmm. uplifting spirit, that energy. I don't care what's going on, what's happening. When the DZ call you, I'm about to be smiling, laughing, and feeling <laughs> a little bit better or a lot better than I was already feeling. Like, no exactly. question. 
Exactly. Uh, shout out to the DZ, man. Shout, shout out, out to, to the DZ. Shout out to KD. Hey, now, this question don't really have nothing to do with Q. It's for us donkers, you know? So, uh, <laughs> what was your favorite dunk on since you've been in the league so far? Um, I'll probably say you the Houston one. got some booms. I'll probably say the Houston one, uh, where I missed the floater, caught it and Dang. dunked it. Brought it back. Ooh. Yeah, that was See, that was me. that was like cheat. You weren't supposed to be able to do that at you your height and your size and everything. So I'm a, I'm gonna put some respect on that one. Yeah, that was yeah, uh, I, I, the face I made when I'm hanging on it was like a shock. Like, ooh, oh shit! Yes. This, like, I mean, I caught it. You know what I mean? That's something you do like when you by yourself, like messing around, yeah. like three people in a playoff game, pick you know up or mean? something. You know what I'm saying? You don't really get them like that off in the game. You usually miss the tip. <laughs> exactly. So for me, it was just like that one right there. Definitely, is like number one in my book for sure. Hey, this is a question I need to know. Like, I don't, you know, he talk about dunks and stuff. I follow you on social media. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to talk about when you first made the NBA. You know, I know you took care of mom, dudes, make sure sis, straight pops and all that. I seen you coming into the in, in game. You got some nice jewelry. I don't know what type of whip you got, but what did you get when you got that big boy bag? I saw you was somewhere on the island when jumped in the pool, but what did you, what, what, I want to know the ignorant purchase that you got that your mama and daddy might look at you like, boy, what? And you was like, I, I did it though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we all had that moment. What did you do? What did the Spider Man do? I got a Lamborghini truck. Uh, month, I think a month month after that, I was the first thing I went ahead and bought and I had it tricked out and every possible way, got my logo in the seat. Uh, Yeah, I remember them logo days. Everything. (laughs) I did everything possible, man, but that was... Oh yeah, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Had to. to. Where did the nickname Spider come from? Like to have this moniker now. Like, I see the yeah. shoes, they put the Spider-Man joints designs on them. Like, that's bro. like, yeah, that's like a hard that's, that's nickname. Going down in the history books, the nickname. <laughs> nah. Where where did that nickname come from and how did you get it? So my team, when I was about eight or nine, we played AU, and my teammates' dad gave everybody nicknames. It's crazy. Mm. Myself, Eric Pascal from the Warriors and Ty Jerome for the Thunder, we were all on the same AU team. We all had these nicknames and we had this press, you know, the diamond press, the one, two, two, or the one, three, one, whatever. Yeah, diamond press, uh, okay. And I was, I was at the hey, front. One, three, one, one, that was- <laughs> Exactly, and I was over there just getting a bunch of steals in the front of the press and I was just completely unstoppable in the front of that press. And he was like, man, you out here, <laughs> you gotta hear him say, it's like, he out here, you out here spinning your web and he would do the, like, do like trying to do the motion while he was doing right. it, he was like, call me Spider. And then I kept it, you know, and then you know how you had those kids that would call themselves something, but no one else would call them that in high school? <laughs> like, that was me. Like, I was called like, nah, yeah, my name is Spider. Like, I would call myself that. <laughs> nobody, nobody else would like, nobody would ever call me that <laughs> except me. And then it wasn't until I won the dunk contest that it took off. Like, it just it's, took it's off tough. and it blew up. So that's where it came from. Is it true that you were 45 because you a Jordan baby and when Jordan came back wearing the 4-5, that, that yeah. was it for you? Yeah, he wore it in baseball and basketball. So like that was yeah. my, that's me paying homage and staying true to my baby group too. That's hard. Yeah, that's that's joking. A lot of people run to that 23 quit. Yeah. A lot of people don't run to that 45 yeah. like that. That 45, see, I'm gonna just keep it real with you though, Spider. I, I don't disrespect, I like you, I like the number, but in Chicago, that's a no-fly zone, man. We ain't even, we don't really like remember that phase of yeah, 45. I, they was like, that's why he we was ready for him to go back 23. Like, it just didn't <laughs> feel right to us. And I felt like, for me, it was just like, I was just different than that. Like, everybody wanted yeah. to be 23. Everybody wanted to be, True. like, and 23 Ooh. ran out. Like, you know, the jerseys, like, I ain't I wasn't able to get it. So I was like, shoot, how can I go about this? Uh, fuck it, I'm going to wear 45. And then from there, it just, like, took off. And But, yeah, no, nah, 45 is, I know, I can only understand in Chicago, 45 ain't, ain't, uh, ain't a famous number. Yeah. <laughs> start, bench, cut. You got to start one, you got to bench one, you got to cut one. Dwayne Wade. Uh-oh. Allen Iverson. Ooh. Tracy McGrady. Yeesh. You got to start one. I don't want to say cut. You got to start one, bench one, and trade one. I know who's starting. You got to start D-Wade. I told you. <laughs> I got to start D-Wade. I'm a bench AI. I'm a trade T-Mac, and this kills me, man, because T-Mac is my guy with Adidas. 
We went on <laughs> we went on a tour in, in China together. Uh um, like that guy, that's my guy. <laughs> D-Mac is my dude. I don't know. I mean, just those those two. Well, right AI to come off the bench like Clarkson, huh? Facts. Man, he about to win six man of the year tonight, too. He about to win that, about to win that six man too. Man, that's a tough one for me, but I think start start D, uh, bench AI, and trade T Mac. I know we right at the line. I want to ask you these last two things before we get here. Like, I want to talk okay. about your Spider Care's foundation yeah. mm-hmm. to empower women all over. Just tell me how you came up with that and what inspired you to do that. You know, the biggest thing for me, uh, my mom raised my sister, myself. And for me, it was like I saw how hard she worked just to get us to go to private school. Like, right. you know, I was fortunate enough to go to private school and she worked her tail off just to get us to go there. She sacrificed everything. You know, Way she to was go, doing well. Yeah. She was doing well in life. You know what I mean? Like she was, she was, she was doing well, like making good money, and she decided to stop all that to provide us in that proper education to see us do better. You know, and I don't think not all parents necessarily do that for their kids. You know, a lot of them do, but not all parents do that. For me, it was like, okay, how can I? Now that I'm in a position to take care of people, how can I? In my foundation, and my mom's the head of the foundation. How can we awesome. find ways to help single mothers, women in general? Because yeah. at the end of the day, black women and women in general are just like underappreciated with everything they do. At the end of the day, Q, you wouldn't be here. D, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Nobody would be here without women. At you all. know what I mean? And I feel like they don't get the respect they deserve. So for me, it was like empowering women in any way possible. And my mom's a teacher or was a former teacher. Uh, so empowering women in, in that field, you know, in, in, in basketball, in Doctors, whatever may be, just man. Amazing. You you, yeah. you you gave twelve million to your mom's old yeah. school. Like what, yeah. bro? You, you did you just buy a new school? What you doing? Like that? <laughs> that was that, first of all, salute, yeah. and that's amazing. Yeah. But like that's empowering on a whole nother level. All I could think is anything those kids at that school need is coming. Yeah, and that was that was my biggest thing. It's through scholarships, and I also built a, a new gym for the school. So. For me, it was like I went to private school. School is predominantly white kids in Greenwich, Connecticut. And for me, I would I was like, you know what I want to do? I want kids who would never even think about going to this school because they wouldn't be able to have the funds to go to this private school to be able to have that education that I had. Because I'm able to see yes. so many things in this MBA business first, you know, mm-hmm. MBA business because of where I got my education. And I can only imagine like we go into AAU tournaments at 13, 14. My friends are going to work at Goldman Sachs. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like that's there's a difference, you know, between white American and, and black American in that right. Like the only outlets that a lot of our kids feel like is rapping and hooping, you know, but like understanding yeah. that there's more to that. You know what I mean? So being able to take kids from, a lot more outlets. Exactly. From areas that necessarily wouldn't be able to go to these schools and say, look, I'll pay for it. Go ahead, get this education, better yourself, get the grades, do this, do that, or be able to open yourself and connect yourself to people that are going to be successful in life. And so you can see it and pass it down to your kids, pass it down to your family, being able to open your eyes to stuff that you have maybe never seen before. So that that was what I wanted to do because I'm very thankful that I was able to go to private school because it's opened my ears and eyes to things I've never even experienced. You know, I've gotten mm-hmm. lost. I'll never forget in third grade, I got lost in my friend's crib when I went over to their house because it was that big. You know what I mean? And that was right. a, mm-hmm. a fuel for me to be capable. Like, I want, I want that. Like, how do I go yeah. about doing that? You know what I mean? You never know what that is for a kid, that trigger to be able to get them to to just start doing whatever it is in life. So that was really, for me, the biggest thing uh, when we decided to to donate the money. You bought your little sister a car, right? Yeah, I did. How does it feel to be the best big brother in the world? And, you know, you know you got your mom something, but you got the opportunity to get your, your sister something dope. Like, how how is that? Uh, it's, it's great, man. And when she sees this, I hope she doesn't, she understands she still got to work for this, but like she, she's, <laughs> I hope she doesn't understand that. Like, you know, for me, like I've always wanted to see my sister stun on everybody. Like that's just for me, yeah. that's the ultimate feeling. Like you want to go, yeah. oh, you, you got to do that. You got to find that one family member. I'm going to exactly. stunt through you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like you got it. Like, what do you want? You got it. You know what I mean? I feel like with her, she gave up so much traveling with me from state to state. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Going to Second not party. going to friends' house, not going to parties, traveling me sitting in a hot ass gym for five hours, and then going to go sit out for a nine inning baseball game. So for me, it was like, man, like how can I repay you? You know what I mean? And for me, it's like, shit, whatever you need, you know, she's gonna be good for life. You know what I mean? And I think that right was up. the biggest thing, and I let her know. But at the end of the day, you're still working for it. But like, you're gonna be good regardless. 
As you it got should the motivation be. to work as, for it. As, now. it, as <laughs> it should be. Exactly. You got Donovan with the four five. Now. <laughs> hey, listen, I definitely just want to salute you, man, and, and, and tell you that we as some OGs in the game appreciate you and the way you represent yourself and your family. Yeah. All the good that you're doing back in the community and not just the money that you're paying and the things you're doing financially, but you showing up and the words that you're speaking and the things that you're standing for and you living by. Man, we appreciate you being a young dude coming up, young superstar the game and you use your platform and using everything at your resources the right way and, sure. and trying to be a better person and make the place of people around you better man we appreciate that sure and i appreciate y'all man and this man this is dope like i said everybody you know seeing y'all do your podcast continue to make continue to shine light on not just myself but us athletes as black men and men in general and just continuing to keep put us on that platform and y'all keep doing your thing man it's really uh it's motivating for real so i appreciate y'all Oh, yes, Spider Mitchell, y'all. Appreciate you pulling up, homeboy. That was dope. All right, we want to thank y'all for your continued support of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also find all the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast and join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. The Players Tribune dot com.